Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. I had my first guest on stage a few years back at one of our C-Suite Network conferences where I filmed an episode of Executive Perspectives Live with Jeffrey Hazlett. Tom Edwards is a technology evangelist at Blackfin 360 and chief marketing officer at TripleClicks, a gaming strategy agency. He's a future keynote speaker and a strategic consultant for some of the world's biggest brands. And we even talk about gaming and he's in his gaming throne room uh, during the interview that you can actually see if you're watching our live uh, feed. And we actually talk about my time on Destiny, one of the biggest games where I did some voiceover work and actually some uh, stop film animation. In 2020, he was recognized as an OnCon icon, top 50 marketer, and named the 2020 Professional of the Year for the second year in a row in the category of marketing and emerging technology. Tom Edwards, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Jeffrey, I'm so incredibly excited uh, to join you again. Always enjoy the conversation. We always have good conversations, and you've worked with some really great. Who was the company we we're working with back then? Pretty big company, about four, four, five billion. Yeah, it was Epsilon. Yeah, I was the chief Epsilon. digital innovation officer over there on the uh, agency side of the business, and we got to know each other uh, yeah. during our time there, and it was it was a, a fun. Fun conversation. Well, that's a big company. Most people don't, you know, about a $5 billion digital marketing, you know, agency technology company. So let's talk about what brand marketers are doing to react to COVID. What are you seeing the, some of the reactions from brands right now? You know, Jeffrey, it's, it's interesting. I, I talk to everyone from Omnicom to Publicis to the other holding companies to brand marketers. And there are kind of some consistent themes of everything that we're seeing. I mean, you're obviously seeing it come to life in television spots and digital and everything else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's advertising a shift from aspirational to being just more of a reflection of our daily lives. I mean, that's that at the end of the day, it's moving from that idea of, oh, I want to influence how you feel towards this idea of being socially responsible, socially responsible. How can I provide value back to you as a consumer? And it's, it's been a big shift. I mean, it happens so suddenly. So many organizations had to pull back campaigns that were going into market like KFC and like hotels.com that had a lot of, you know, the, the old normal uh, as we would have it that had to immediately shift as well. So it's, it's been interesting. And that's expensive. Most people don't know how expensive that is. First of all, the cutback, you still have the contract. So you've got those contracts. And if you miss that inventory, you might not be able to get it back. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, second, you just look like an ass if you're running commercials that are flaunting or in face of what people, you know, like car commercials could be a problem. I saw some car commercials that came on and some people were saying, ooh, bad move, bad move. You know, sometimes you just don't have the, the time to be able to pull that stuff, do you? Yeah, it's, it's been incredible the speed at which some of this has come together. So how quick some of the responses started to happen once the pandemic really started to, to roll out across the country. You saw organizations quickly go in and change voiceover. You look at some of the car commercials for like Subaru and others that are offering extended payments. So immediately jumping into that. Now yeah. you see a lot of, of Zoom-based, uh, you know, uh, 
panels that are showing up in commercials. So it's or it's or, or teams or teams. teams that's right. I see right. Microsoft teams. doing a lot with that. Yeah, it's very smart. Yeah, very very similar. So from that perspective, it's it's been really interesting. You know, obviously certain industries have been hit incredibly hard. Different brands have responded differently. But one of the really key things to consider is, you know, I'm all about consumer behavior. A lot of when I talk about new technology and the adoption of that and all of those kind of core things, the key driver is what's the behavior that's driving the shifts and why do we need to change? There was a recent element, uh, there was a recent element report surveyed about 12,000 people. And it said that 71% of respondents said that if they perceive a brand as putting profits over people, they will lose trust in that brand forever. So the stakes are incredibly high because marketing budgets are normally the first to go in any type of, you know, revenue decline, but in order to actually survive and thrive moving forward in the future, you have to be able to continue to invest. Consumers may not be buying right now, but they're definitely engaging. So that's a, that's a really key thing as marketers and businesses are evaluating the path forward for how do I actually adjust my business strategy? That's a key component. It's for certain well, but brands. But they are buying. So, I mean, yeah. to say they're not buying, and um, and I, I know you don't mean that across the board. Yeah. I mean, look at Walmart. Walmart just reported, uh, you know, record earnings. Amazon is up. So, they're buying in some places. Correct. Who are some of the brands that you think are doing a good job? I'll, I'll state State Farms and Popeyes. I yeah. thought Popeyes, the Popeyes, unbelievable that they got their commercials moving that fast to show people with gloves, show people with masks, show how they were handling the food over. I, I don't know who's doing their stuff. And I used to know the CMO down there, but that was spot on. And then State Farm says oh. we're going to give back $2 billion. You can't drive. So if you're not driving, you don't need your car insurance. And I thought that was a very big and bold move. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. There have been a number of cosmetic companies from Estee Lauder to Mac, you know, Burger King's done some really interesting things. They've taken a lot of incremental small steps from doing DIY Whoppers at home through grocery store ingredients, all the way up to understanding, you know, they want to pull on the the strings of delivery and and mobile payment. So they did a QR code based uh, advertisement the other day. But because they know people are going to engage because their research showed that people are bored after a few weeks. So it's been interesting to see. There are people that have focused more on obviously the importance of the philanthropic side of it. There are people that are trying to provide value. And then you've got the organizations which are essentially completely shifting their manufacturing and supporting you know, you look at LVMH as, as one that's that's doing that as well. I wonder, you know, I, it's actually going to see, I think you're going to see a bigger adoption, especially for fast foods and restaurants of the apps themselves. Oh, yeah. Paying with the app, you know, because you go through the line and then you got to hand your credit card and you don't want to take your credit card back and you want to like disinfect it immediately. You know, it's like, okay, there's there's some of that kind of stuff. You know, Frito-Lays has a great commercial saying it isn't about the brands, but it's about people, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Do you think that brands should adopt this kind of social responsibility approach? I think for now it's, you have to, I think that as people are responding kind of to this disruption in life, it has to be very human in tone. It has to be about providing value. Like it's less, it's not about the brand. It's about the people. And basically going back to, you know, again, I always look at the data side of it. I'm a, I'm a quant guy. It said 77% said they want brands only to speak about products in ways that show they're aware of the crisis and impact on people's lives. So it's top of mind for everyone, but it's not always going to be that way. And that's, that's the thing that, you know, you really have to watch and evaluate for now. It's about disruption and response. 
moving forward, it's about, all right, there have been changes to our daily lives. How is that then going to be applied into new services, new offerings? That's why partnerships are going to be important. Retooling digital strategy, all of those things are going to be incredibly um, important to consider to accelerate business to return to normal. Well, speaking about return to normal, I need to take a quick break and I'll be right back after this message. And I want to talk about the customer journey because that new normal is going to flip this a little bit. So we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, thanks so much. We're live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we are bringing you all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. C-Suite Radio, of course, the world's largest business podcast network, and we're excited to be a headliner on that network. And today with me is Tom Edwards. He is the chief marketing officer um, at uh, Triple Clicks. We'll hear about that a little bit more. He's also a keynote speaker and a technology evangelist, Blackfin 360. I love that name, Blackfin. Who sounds like a, that sounds like a game, Blackfin 360. But anyway, right before the break, we we're talking about the new normal and what it's doing to change that. So let's flip it a little bit. Talk to me about the new consumer journey. You know, how are marketing or how have or do they need to shift? Marketing channels need to shift as a result. And Jeffrey, it's it's interesting. Just even looking at the word normal, like there are a lot of different kind of facets to that word, right? right. Like normal tells us what is, but also what ought to be. So when you start thinking about it, you think about normal, okay, that's traits of large groups. That is, that's maybe it's an ideal. Maybe it's this kind of, it's this functional thing that, you know, we want to go back to it. But at the same time, we don't. We want things yeah, to be the same different. and different. Normal's different for you than it is for me. I right. can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you. know, you're a gamer. I'm not a gamer. Okay? <laughs> you know, I, I my gaming's done with a shotgun or a rifle. Okay, that's my <laughs> gaming. Right? You know, nice. and, and so if for everybody a different normal, I, you know, it's just, but I, I think if we keep it around the customer journey, because, yeah. you know, what we used to do, you know, 20 years ago, we don't do today. What we used to do two years ago, we didn't do today. And I, and I believe that today days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years, right? And we're moving at a faster pace than ever before. And it's just going to accelerate the change we should have already had to get to that new normal, whatever that is. That's right. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. As, as per the usual. So one of the Of course. One of the things I talk about in a lot of my talks is, you know, how disruption used to be the new normal. Now it's about exponential acceleration and the role of intelligent systems and all of that. Putting that aside for just a second, when I think about how the consumer journey is evolving and from a business perspective, how you work through it, it's number one. Now it's, it's adapting. You have to adapt to the current environment you have to plan for kind of that unexpected. You have to really double down on the insights that are being created by how consumers are engaging because they are engaging, you know, and you have to kind of accept, accept the fact that a lot of the past consumer decision journey is, is no longer going to be viable, right? It's, it's always been a little bit nonlinear over the past few years, but now it's even shifting even more so. And finally, it's planning for what's next. So for me, I like to focus on the core consumer need always, 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 always. And then align that against your value of your products and services that you're bringing, redefining your core digital strategy, what that means every step of the way of, of kind of the consumer journey. And again, the role that data plays in defining an adaptive strategy, because that's really what this is. Moving forward, it's less about doing a, a media plan that that is a year in advance. And it's really focusing in on kind of that 
real-time constant iteration. And that's honestly the role that AI is playing a lot across marketing right now as we see it. It's being able, whether it's looking at and taking large amounts of unstructured data and finding themes, perceptions, occasions about individuals, all the way through to the delivery of different marketing messages and aligning that kind of in real time. So the other part of that too is partnerships and developing new capabilities are going to be so incredibly key moving forward because as we kind of adapt and we're reactive, we have to be able to pull in best in class partners. And that's where a company like ours, like triple clicks really thrives. We, we are subject matter experts in the gaming space and bringing brands and, you know, the world of gaming together. So I I want to ask you about that because I think that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm, I, as I told you, I'm the first one to admit, I don't know anything about gaming. Although uh, what was the name of that? That one real, I would, I'm a voice in some big game. It's one of the biggest games in the world. I'm Thor, Thor in the game. And I can't remember. I'll, hey team, go look that up again. I, it was the, the company. I, oh, I'm going to remember it in a minute. It was a huge, huge one. But anyway, I'm, I'm in that game. Tells you how bad I am about the game. Is this the, <laughs> is this the new way that I can uh, market my products is in the gaming world? You know, it, the short answer is absolutely yes. And, but how you do it is where it differs. And I work very closely with a gentleman named Chris Erb. He's the founder of the organization, Triple Clicks. He worked at EA Sports for 10 years. He's the best in the business in aligning marketing and gaming together. And I believe you're going to have him on the guest here uh, soon as well. A lot of what we talk about is that if you want to reach Gen Z, Gen Z represents 40% of consumers right now today. That's $143 billion worth of potential dollars that are out there. And 100% of the ones I've surveyed are gamers in some form or fashion. It's like when you look at this, connecting with friends while gaming, it's second nature. You know, I did a lot of research across generational cohorts. And what I found for Gen Z in particular, they spend two and a half hours a day with on-demand content. A lot of that video game streams, an hour and a half a day gaming, 51 minutes a day with music. They're built to socialize, entertain, immerse themselves in these kind of virtual environments. And you're seeing it in these platforms. You know, everybody's heard of Twitch, hopefully. You know, in 2019, there were 750 million hours watched. In 2020 now, there's been 1.49 billion hours watched. But Twitch isn't a gaming marketing strategy. It's a cha- it's an amplification channel. I see it all the time in quotes about it, a brand. Oh, I'm I'm advertising on Twitch, so I'm you know obviously I'm in gaming. There's a difference between authentically connecting with a gamer yeah. through access, exclusive content, all of that, versus advertising on a platform. Yeah, sh- shouting and, and vomiting up information and video and 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 you know just product placement ain't gonna cut it. it has yeah. to be used in a, in a very transparent and authentic way. And that's, yeah. that's what people got to start figuring this shit out, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure you're going to be authentic and going to be real and going to be, but nobody wants to be sold to what we want to be is served to. We want that's to right. serve. And, and if you're have a servant mentality, you're going to be successful. By the way, the game is destiny, destiny by Bungie. So oh, let me my, see if you're that is my, that's honestly, Jeffrey, that is my favorite yeah, I still play it since I've been playing since 2014. Uh, I get made fun of all the time by the team. Listen, listen to this boy. We're taking on fire. Move to the left. We're getting flanked. Move, move. I need more ammunition. Okay. You might recognize that. So I did those voices for them years ago and I forgot all about the game and they gave me the game. And I remember biggest launch of a game ever, biggest launch of a game ever. Was it, yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a passion of mine now for, you know, going on six years and uh, yeah. I play with my sons. It's, it's a phenomenal game. Paul McCartney did the score for that uh, as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet him. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back. And I want to talk about behavior that dictates technological change. Okay. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back again live on, on Facebook and LinkedIn as we're talking all kinds of things about how it needs to change. We're also getting in a lot more about the gaming side of the world and what it means for brands. But technology is driving everything. And of course, we're talking with Tom Edwards, a keynote speaker, technology evangelist, and the CMO for Triple Clicks. And uh, listen, my question right now is coming from one of our uh, one of our fans, and it's uh, Nick Curl asked, please elaborate on behavior that dictates technological change. Well, behavior dictate, by the way, if you're, if you want to be good at marketing, capture behavior. That's right. You want to be good at marketing, you capture behavior. That's the key. A hundred percent. Behavior is, is kind of the core driver for understanding how technology adoption is going to happen. For me, when I talk about behavior, I look at it through the lens of kind of, of three core areas. I look at technology that empowers And what does that actually mean for Gen Z? It's this whole idea of creativity. It's not about serving content. It's about creation and all of kind of the nuances that come with that. Then I look at kind of the exponential tools that can help accelerate that understanding of behavior, looking at AI, looking at companies like an Oculus 360, who I partnered with closely for years to look at perceptions, themes, occasions. And then ultimately, how is that going to translate what COVID has done? I read a New York times article recently that it was really interesting COVID has fundamentally changed how we internet. Like that was the literal headline, you know, usage is up 50 to 70%. The expectations and behaviors on how that's going to apply moving forward. You mentioned before about mobile applications and mobile payment and even changing the way we operate and work within a retail setting. You know, all of these things are going to fundamentally shift. From my perspective, what all of this means is We're moving ever closer to the time when our environment is going to adapt to us versus us adapting to it. The technology then becomes the preference center of you. And that's how you begin to navigate the world. All of this has kind of been accelerated. And that's why you start seeing this all this convergence of 5G technology plus edge computing plus AI plus all the AR, VR, XR stuff that's out there. Everything's kind of merging together towards driving towards that. And I think that what's happened with COVID is that we're just kind of accelerating some of that adoption and normalcy associated with technology and how we use it. Oh, and we need bigger pipelines. I, I yeah. think that's the other thing is you decide that you need, and of course, everybody needs to upgrade the routers, upgrade all the technology that's associated. Now, I look in the back, and Jen Fleming, one of our people here, sent me a note. She says, she says I see a lot of badges in your background. <laughs> Look back there. Yes, yes, right there. How do you, yeah, how do you see the industry shifting that way and, and adapting with uh, meetings? It's really interesting. So obviously live events are big for you. They're big for me. You know, we, we thrive on being on stage and connecting with, you know, the audience and real people. A lot of the research that I've seen, and I was just sent some information this morning, you know, it's something around the fact that about 69% of marketers aren't comfortable necessarily even attending a live event in 2020 without some type of vaccine. And that's just the numbers. That's not my personal opinion. I'd love to get back up on stage as soon as it's, you know, viable. But for now, that seems to be the reality. So I think what you're doing with shows like this, bringing people information that would normally be reserved for a conference setting, like you used to with Executive Perspectives Live or All Business right. Today. I mean, it's such a it's such a generous benefit for everyone out there that um, you know that's it's we all have to adapt. And live events and live conferences and just the shifting of that is just another one of those 
byproducts of this. Yeah, they're not going to go virtual. Let's don't use the word virtual. I don't want to use the word virtual. I don't think you can have an event in the same way you can have an event. Yeah. So that's why I call them live casting, yeah. broad, you know, broadcasting, you know, hosting a meeting, you know, hosting a conference online isn't the same as doing it the way that we've normally done it. So as a futurist, what kind of technologies do you see coming that is going to impact the industries across the board? And what should be we, what should we be looking out for, Tom? You've always been real good at predicting that. What, what should we want to look out for? I've been really watching kind of a couple different technologies. One is technology that autonomously maps our environment. Because as we move forward, having a foundation to digitize the, the physical environments around us is going to be absolutely critical because we're heading on this path towards simulation. So in my mind, as we're kind of, as we're thinking about an evolving technology, it, it all kind of comes together. The dependency on the virtual assistant to become a proxy for you as an individual becomes a preference center that ultimately then can interact on the environment with the environment on your behalf. Yeah. So give me an example. What do you mean by the environment? You mean the ecosystem or do you actually mean your physical? Yeah. Your physical space can completely change. Think about it from a retail setting. Um, You know, you're a fan of, you know, a particular entertainment property. For me, it's, you know, I love destiny. We'll stick with that because that's a common thing. I go into a retail store environment. My preference center already knows I have an affinity towards destiny. If there's some type of major content drop that's happening this fall or some retail event that kind of coincides, it virtually, the simulation within that physical space to then pull me into that world is something that I know is currently being evaluated across different entities. You're going to do that to a phone or what? You're going to have to do that to how? How are they going to know that? So that's a lot of what I talk about too, is when are we actually going to move from the handheld mobile device towards our environment adapting to us? And to me, initially, it was based on a number of year of 2028. That's whenever we would move towards, you'll see over the next few years, there are a lot of patents that have been filed for smart contacts, for smart glasses. So the form factor to remove the dependency on the mobile device someone's going to get there quickly. You see Apple with patents, Facebook, Google. Well, we've already done it. When I was at Kodak, we've done it with eyes. I mean, we exactly. did, we could recognize someone and actually change based on whether they're a man or a woman, all those kinds of things we could do. You know, we had smart cameras and cameras that would be able to pick all that up. So what you saw in Minority Report, it's there. That's right. Um, I think it's a little... I, I don't know, you know, you have to find the fine line whether that's creepy or that's that's helpful, right? 100%. I 100% agree with you. I think that, you know, the consumer privacy part of that should also be, you know, a, a big concern. So you see what's happening with the California Consumer Protection Act and GDPR in Europe and how that's kind of applying through everything. So you're seeing this kind of coming together of technology data regulation, but also all these kind of enhanced experiences. It's going to be really interesting to see how it evolves over the next few years. Well, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to having you back on the show because we're finding out all kinds of great things are going to be a part of that. You know, and again, get back, get back to that privacy issue. But you, you, folks, think about it. And I've said this before about, you know, does it get creepy? Well, when you walk into your favorite restaurant and the guy knows what you like to drink and sets a drink on the counter before you even sit down, holy moly, that's a pretty good deal, right? And if, uh, or your waiter knows how you like your steak or how you like the fish or where your wife likes to sit, is that so creepy? No, that's just getting to know you and serving you up well. So what's the difference? This just happens to be in technology, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it so much. We're talking with Tom Edwards, keynote speaker, technology evangelist at Blackfin 360 and CMO of Triple Clicks. And thank you for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Jeffrey, always happy. It's always a pleasure to see you, my friend, and take care. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. Uh, coming up after this is going to be uh, the founder of PodFest and so many other um, shows that he has in new media. And we're going to be talking about podcasting coming up right after this. But with Tom Edwards, what did I learn? i tell you what I learned. You know, there's going to be lots of great opportunities for us to be able to place products, to market products, and to sell our products. And gaming is going to be one of those. But the most important thing I learned today is you just got to be authentic. You can't just bomb it up information. You can't just yell and scream, hey, look at me, look at me, come by, come by. You've got to actually do it in a much more authentic way. You have to earn the trust and then be able to pass on and, and exchange great information. That's called getting it you know, getting engaged and getting engaged means to be authentic. And that's what I learned right here in All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. My next guest is the Chief Creative Officer at PodFest Expo, a community of people interested and passionate about sharing their voice and message through audio and video. That's a big word that we're especially talking about in this upcoming interview. As an event organizer and speaker, he's familiar with what happens behind the scenes and what needs to happen on stage in order to move and engage an audience. In fact, we talk about what's the dumbest mistake podcasters make. You're going to hear it in the end of this interview, and it's really a, really a doozy. By the way, one of my pet peeves is the interviewer asks you to describe yourself. Like, hey, tell me about yourself. That's just a bad, bad interview. Anyway, Chris Kremitzas also understands the importance of becoming a content machine and why we should always be at the forefront of change. Chris, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hayes. I'm glad to be on, Jeff. Good to have you. So thanks so much. Let me ask you the first question. Let's talk about podcasting. Why should businesses be using podcasts as a way to spread their message? I mean, uh, I know you've been preaching it for quite a time, but now with the, this uh, this pandemic, I think we're seeing why more than ever, uh, people have to have an outlet other than a physical one, a virtual one to to communicate with their audience and have that connection. Yeah. And a lot of my friends that started years ago, are doing really well. And everybody now that is starting, now is the best time to start if you haven't started. However, it's going to take you a little bit of time to build that platform. Had you started two, three years ago, now you got something to keep that going. So it's, I think these times are proving why for us without us having to say all the typical, you know, there's a lot of benefits to having a podcast for your business, but more than ever now people are home and they're consuming via the internet. Yeah, well, and I, you know, they always say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Well, the best time to plant the next tree is now, right? Now, right. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, you know, I'm telling everybody, you know, we've got a digital discussion today on C-Suite Radio where we're bringing in hundreds of people to be part of our discussion. And we'll be talking about the, why you should do a podcast, the reasons why you should do it and get it done. I mean, I, it's like a no-brainer. If you're a thought leader or if you're a company that wants to control the category, meaning be the leader in the category, you want to make that happen. And so I think that's important. What do you say to someone who's interested in starting a podcast, but doesn't know how to get started? What are the, what are the kind of the first three things they need to do to implement, Chris? Honestly, very simply, you got to um, find a feed, which is basically um, where are you going to host it? 
and yeah. do some research online of different hosts, just like websites have HostGator. Audio has its own hosting companies and there's freemium, premium. There's all different kinds of things. Um, make sure you pick a good name. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but the name speaks to the audience. Invest yeah. some money in your logo. Um, I was helping someone a couple of years ago and I, I have a graphic guy I work with that does excellent work. And I remember them saying, I'm going to go on Fiverr. I think Fiverr is amazing, but the stuff we... 100 bucks. Well, think about it this way. It's your, it's your brand and invest. I mean, you know this, you got to invest in how you look. So don't be held to, I mean, so a lot of us use Fiverr for ideas and then we have other people, but just understand the graphics of what that podcast looks like. It's just like investing in a good website. Um, so invest in a very nice cover image and a very succinct name. And then the rest is the content. You know, what I would, I know Jeff, you see this cause you've been doing this for a while. You have to, the opportunities, not only are they in the categories, but they're also in format. So if you're in a yeah. crowded category, you could create a format that is unique that people in that category will flock over to you. So there's a lot of tweaks that you could do that give you a lead. So talk about the formats. What what do you mean by different types of formats? I, I get it, but I want to hear for from you for the audience. I'll just give a very simple case study. My wife transitioned from a business show and she wanted to do a meditation show. And meditation on podcasts is a very crowded space. There's a lot of meditation podcasts. One of the things that none of these meditation shows ever did, uh, or the majority, I should say, they never said, let me, um, what does she do? She sets the frame. She basically says, I'm going to tell you what we're about to cover and why. So I know that sounds very simple, but all the other guided meditations just went right into a guided meditation. She says, today we're focusing on your daily morning routine because I think you're beautiful, powerful, and this is what what the intention is behind it. That little format tweak and the fact that she only caters to women allowed her to build a, a ginormous audience in a very short period of time. Uh, and sometimes it could be that simple. It could be the business minute. It's a one minute format. Yeah. It could be, you know, an interview format, but you have a twist on how you do the interview or in 20 minutes or less, we'll get to the point. So uh, your commuter knows that, Hey, you probably fit in my average commute time. So things like that make a difference. Or do it like we're doing right now. Here's a format mix that we were before. I was just doing a podcast. Now I'm doing a live cast with, with LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm getting to tons of other people. They're emailing me like crazy. They're posting like crazy. I'm getting messages all the time. My computer blows up when we're live, uh, live casting. And, and I, I thought it was going to be a, I thought, nah, this isn't going to work. But yeah, the you know, live it, casting. It it, so um, I know you're familiar with the Joe Rogan deal yesterday. Well, that yeah. Hundred. Was... By the way, for those listening right now, Joe Joe Rogan, a hundred million dollars he sold to Spotify yesterday. Put his show on Spotify. Hundred million dollars. Now there's a hundred million dollars. There's a hundred million reasons right now to get into podcasting. Right there. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if it's a yearly deal or a two year deal, but whatever. It's a lot of money. It's a lot more than what he was making, and basically. I'm sure he still owns all his content, but Spotify wants him to be exclusive through their platform, right? Um, very, he was averaging 190 million downloads a month, uh, they were saying. So the, the question on that is, uh, you know, what's going on in podcasting? It's growing. Uh, Spotify now is really making a play to become an industry leader over Apple. Apple, unfortunately, is so apathetic. Here they are. They have like a, a $50 billion niche under their nose. And because it's so small to some of the other hardware, I don't know. Or they, they just don't see it. Spotify is going to run away with it. So just um, 
you, you want to grow your platform, know that it's worth something and, um, you know, invest time and money. And Spotify is showing us that they're, they're investing in podcasting because they're your own music and they're telling you that's yeah. where the real money is. So if you see that happening, it kind of opens your eyes to what's going on around us. Well, and they are moving. So, so let's talk about what's new in the world of podcasting. What tools and innovation are taking right shape right now that will have a major impact on the industry? What are you seeing? So the, the, the reason why I mentioned Rogan, I just forgot, and you just re-reminded me. The reason why they, they paid for Rogan to, have, uh, to be on Spotify, you mentioned this, and this is something we all need to pay attention to. They also paid for the video rights. So yeah. they're, they're getting into streaming. And yeah. from what I understand in the back channels, they're investing heavy on their plumbing and their network to start offering video live streams along with the podcasting. So there's this sub niche that a lot of us, um, and some of us are familiar, not familiar. A lot of people like you right now are streaming out your podcast. And we're not talking about a YouTube show because that's a highly produced something else. I think Spotify sees this middle ground of everybody streaming their podcast and they're going to add a video component. Uh, that they're making a play for. So I think streaming is very important. I'm not saying that you have to do it. I'm just saying pay attention to it. Look at industry leaders like yourself that are starting to transition and see those numbers. Um, so you're going to see live streaming uh, as a, uh, an added avenue to podcasting. I think you're going to see a lot of geolocal podcasts come online. Yeah. A lot of people oh, think totally. that. That's going to be huge. The, the geolocal, I'm, I have folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going all in here. Um, to be able to have a network, and by the way, we're doing that with C-Suite Network. I'm looking for more and more on C-Suite Radio of the geolocal because I want to dominate St. Louis. I want to dominate Omaha. I want to dominate Dallas. So we're looking for shows on the geolocal because it's you can be a big fish in a small pond. And then you can look nationally. I mean, that's the cool thing about podcasting. It's about you don't have to be big to be very successful. But if you are big, it's even better. I mean, that's what we're seeing. And, and to be able to take that content, that video content, which we're doing right now, and then lay it and we, we create a TV show out of it. Now, now I have a TV show, not just as a podcast, I have a TV show. And you can say, well, what's a TV show? Well, a TV show is whatever I say it is and what everybody wants to watch. It's on TV. It's on TV. It's on video, you know. Big stuff, big stuff. Yeah, so, I mean... You're a podcaster, how can you grow your audience and how do you monetize that content? Well, you could grow your audience by um, being part of networks, joint venturing with other podcasters, getting on other shows, cross-flow. You could also uh, grow by buying ad space via Spotify ads, which is uh, I'm, I'm rolling out a course on teaching people how to use Spotify ads. Even small business owners should be using Spotify ads to market their business down to a geo. Spotify has it down to the point where I could market people while they're thinking. And I'm not making that up. It's a section yeah. like when people are thinking, working out, celebrating holidays, I could market into that. So I, I'd be, I'd learn how to use ads. And then, um, you know, just have a good brand, own your category. Uh, you mentioned the subject matter experts. I get this all the time. Oh, Chris, I'm just a little niche expert. It's like, no, you're the one that should start a podcast because there's no one in your space and people all over the world are looking for that niche. So those people have well, to start yeah, a show. There's a guy I met at your, at your podcast uh, two years ago, Tom Fox. Mm -hmm. Tom Fox has 28 podcasts in ethics and legal ethics, right? And they're all for attorneys and compliance, compliance, ethics. He's now on C-suite radio. And look, he's got 20 some plus podcasts, very niche, but he's the expert. He dominates that. And it's just been very positive. Hey, listen, I want to take speaking of ads on Spotify, which we use, by the way, I want to come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio.
We're back and we're live and we're live casting on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I'm talking with my good friend, Chris from PodFest. I mean, this is the, the event to go to. I love this event. He holds it down in Orlando. Uh, are you going to be, by the way, we're going to, I'm going to ask that question again uh, about whether you're going to hold it again in Orlando and when, when, what's next and is this whole stuff changing what you're doing? But I'm telling you folks, I've gone to this event. It's jam packed people out the doors. Every time I've spoken at it, They've had. They've actually taken down the walls. To expand <laughs> yeah, two more years ago we had to take down the wall because we weren't expecting that many people to jam in. That was, that was they jammed uh, in. Yeah. I said, I said it's going to be big. He goes, Ah, we'll see, we'll see. And of course it was. We were testing awesome. the event. It was much bigger than we thought. <laughs> yeah, that was good. We love that. So, how? By the way, how's it affecting you? What are you looking for? Are you you still going to have it next March? Uh, we're pushing it back to May. So we're in yeah. process right now, negotiating back to May just to be safe. Uh, and we just did a virtual event. We had 872 people register in a three-day lead time just to test. So this summer, we're going to be doing a ginormous virtual event. We're working with the Guinness Book World of Records and a couple of SaaS software. So we're looking to break a record and literally have uh, people the world over learn. So PodFest will be this huge virtual event that's going to take over the summer. Oh, well, you tell me what I can do. I yeah, I'll reach help. out to you. I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah, you know I want to help because I just love it. I love the event. And I got to tell you, this was the last event that I did before the stuff. Well, I think all of us did because two days yeah. later, everything shut down. Everything was shut down. We were, I, in fact, I was there for another event right afterwards and I was supposed to hit a cruise. And of course I was staying on Disney properties, Disney shut down. Boom. I said, uh, uh-uh, nothing's happening. And of course the cruise got canceled uh, after everybody boarded. Get that. Oh, wow. You know, and by the way, one of the saddest things happened was driving back with an Uber driver who was in the travel business, and he was telling me how bad it's going to be for him. I, I do remember that. It's really tough. So, hey, should what you mentioned uh, YouTube as a platform to disseminate content, should should folks be utilizing YouTube as well? Yeah, I mean, if you want to put your stuff on YouTube, here's what happens, Jeff, and you know this. Maybe you interview some unique subject matter expert and they can't find that person anywhere else. And if it's on YouTube, they'll search it. And sometimes you'll see like it'll peak 50,000 or 100,000 downloads. So it's a good way to be discovered. Um, I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of traction. Audio is where it's at unless you know how to live stream and you have an audience already and you can bring them with you to the different platforms. So YouTube is... Um, it's, it's its own channel if you really want to give it love. So there are podcasts that are YouTube specific podcasts like, uh, um, there's a more consumer. If you're in the B2B play, I tell people, look, you can put a little clip over there and yeah, but you, it, want yeah, I wouldn't, podcast, you want to put your podcast over there, but that's not where people go to listen to podcasts typically. I mean, no, that's correct. You listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the people always will argue with you or I, and they'll say, what about Joe Rogan? What about so-and-so? It's like Joe Rogan's famous, so he has famous people, so you want to see them. People yeah. don't want to see two normal people uh, talking, unless <laughs> unless you're producing it. What I mean by that, unless you're producing it in a way that's visual. And yeah. there is one gentleman, I forgot his name, but he has uh, Valuetainment. Uh, uh, he mm-hmm. does a good job, but everything he has is visual. And he he he, you know, those people spend... I think it's like a, a 20 to one compared to an audio dollar when you get on full video production. Yeah. It's much more cost prohibitive. So you're, t- you're talking about two grand an episode or so. If easy, you're easy, at that. easy. If you yeah, want to easy. do it right. Cause if it looks cheap, right, you spend money and it looks cheap. It does worse to your brand than if you had a decent audio podcast that that's tr- 
Yeah, on these live casts, I you know you're, that those of you who are watching right now and you're listening, those who are listening, obviously on the podcast. But if you're watching the live cast, we actually do a pretty good job of it. You know, we but we're utilizing some special software, paying the money. I've got great, great uh, you know visuals here in the studio and so forth. So it's a little bit different than that. But you also have you, a bigger following too going into it too. So you've built. Yeah, you know, we're doing like a million, so that helps a lot. You know, let me ask you a question. Um, what's the stupidest thing? you've ever seen someone do with a podcast i i mean that's a loaded question but um here's the dumbest mistake i've seen over and over um they'll ask their friends what they think about their podcast and the friends will always say i think it's great and i had a a lovely young lady and she goes i'm gonna call it yvette's whatever i don't remember her name so i'm just using it it was like i'm gonna call it yvette's podcast i go what's it about it's about event planning i said why don't you call it like the event planning podcast with the vet or something right. and she goes all oh, my friends love that i go yeah but your friends aren't going to listen to the show and no one's going to be able to find it so you right. hear you hear just names that you're like how did you test that and, and people just don't think yeah well it's just like my name all business you know i came up with that i was on cbs and i wanted to be the very first one listed so right, you also had a strategic advantage because there was no one else at that time. Now you got to look at, at the that. time back then, nobody else was doing it. I was the anchor and I wanted to make sure I always showed up first in the list. And so I said, well, let's go like the phone book. They're, they're going to list them in alphabetical order. So I'm going to be all business. And of course that also describes what we are. We're all business. That's it. It's all about business in every way, way or shape or form. Or even if I do have somebody that's more consumer oriented, I turn it into all business because I want to know the business of the business. If I have, you know, Paris Hilton come on. I want to talk about how she invests in food trucks. You know, that's what I want to do. Not about Paris Hilton. She's not that exciting. I, although I've had dinner with her. It's interesting. That's a different, whole different thing. But we should do that story. Hey, Chris, I got to thank you very much. We're talking with uh, Chris, the leader of PodFest. And uh, if you want to know anything about it, they've got a great community, runs a great show. Uh, and you had, what, three different parts of the show last time. Right. It wasn't just about podcast. It was like video casting. Yeah, we and, had VidFest. Uh, we had uh, sp- uh, Sports PodCon. We had uh, Podcast Editor Con. We had Cinema Voice. So what we're doing now is we're growing, just like you and I give people advice yeah. at Gong Geo, we're growing our event to have very specific niche content. And we're going to keep growing that. So that way we could grow to 10, 15,000 attendees and uh, be able to facilitate all the different educational needs that they have. Well, you do a great job, and you've—I you, mean, I know you put it together on the first one together on a shoestring, and you did well with that. And it was just—it's kept going and going. You're—you're you're like a giant sequoia tree. It's got this huge canopy, and underneath it's this great ecosystem. And so, I just want to thank you for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Be good. I appreciate it. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned during the show, and what I learned is what I already know. And that is podcasting is big. It's huge. It's big. You know, we just talked about uh, Rogan selling for a hundred million. There's a hundred million reasons to get into podcasts. What's stopping you from doing your own? What's stopping your business from beginning at the forefront of one of the biggest, biggest things? It's very inexpensive to get started with podcasting and you make a big impact and you get a lot of business done. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, right here on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.